Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Thanks for listening to 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. My name is Neil Mackay and I'm your host. This is season six. Don't forget, you can go back through the whole catalog and find all five seasons of 7 Million Bikes. Make sure you subscribe and turn on the notifications. Follow 7 Million Bikes on Facebook. Go on there and give it a like. We're also on Instagram. If you do enjoy this content, then please go on the link in the notes for patreon.com and you can become a member of a Vietnam podcast and you get some cool benefits like free tickets. You'll get early bonus content as well. If you just want to buy me a coffee, there's also a link in the show notes. You can send me a coffee as well. So thank you very much to the previous people that sent me coffees. They were very much enjoyed. So very, very much appreciated. Season six is sponsored by our good friends over at Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. If you are in Saigon, then make sure you go check them out. Tell them that 7 Million Bikes sent you. They got two locations now, one in D2 and one in District 1. If you've seen the show Riverdale on Netflix, you'll know exactly what Eddie's is like. It's a slice of home comfort, no matter where you're from in the world. Make sure you check out Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. So enjoy 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. My guest today is a French tattoo artist. She left France at 18 to live in Ireland, where she learned English. She studied graphic design in Barcelona, then kept on traveling before finding herself eventually in Saigon. My guest today is Camille Inc. Thank you for joining us today, Camille. Thank you for inviting me. So we're right now uh, stuck 
under Directive 16 in Saigon. For anyone who's not in Saigon, that is uh, basically you can't leave the house apart from essential medicines and groceries, right? So how's lockdown life going for you and Yuki? Uh, pretty boring. I'm, I'm glad she's with me at least because as always it could be awful. But uh, yeah, I mean, we have plenty of wine and, and I still take appointments with customers online so they can explain what, what tattoos they want so I can design it. So I'm still drawing. Um, yeah. And also I still make a print on clothes. From the last lockdown, I started to do serigraphy. Doing podcast. Um, are you Irish as well? No. Oh. No. Okay. So thanks, thank, thanks for joining us today, Camille. This podcast is finished. I'm from uh, I'm from Scotland. Ah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you had a similar accent. It's okay. They are very, very similar. It's okay. You're from Switzerland, right? No, I'm from France. <laughs> Just... But I, I lived in Ireland. And you couldn't tell. Very that. good. I can do a very good imitation. Okay, um, please do For it. fuck's sake, don't I tell you? <laughs> that's not too bad. That's not too bad. There's, a, there's a, a guest that's been on the show and a, and a friend of the show, Mia Nyai. Nia, Nia Mai, sorry, mispronouncing your name there. And he's Vietnamese, but based in Ireland. And he, he can do a pretty good Irish accent as well. So you, if you go back and listen to the previous episodes, you can, you can hear that. I'll check that. So tell me then, so tell me a bit about your background then. So you started off life in France, you're French. Um, what yes. whereabouts in France are you from? What was that like growing uh, up? Then? From Le Mans. It's a small town in the northwest between Paris and Brittany. Uh, we have the 24 hour race, car race. Okay. Le Mans. So maybe you know about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was born there. Um, my parents are gay. So, uh, I mean, my dad is gay and I'm from, uh, how do you call it in English, uh, gay family? I don't know. I don't know what, what the... Anyway, what the so very, I'm very lucky. They are very nice people. And they gave me the, the will to travel. Since I was a kid, they took me traveling and I haven't stopped. That's awesome. Also... Yeah. That's uh, super interesting. I, I don't know your age and I'll be a gentleman and I won't ask your age, but you... Uh... I can tell you, I'm 34. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so similar age to me. And so uh, I would imagine then being of our generation, your parents being gay and coming from a, a gay family, as you put it, would have been... In quite... the countryside. It was in the countryside. Oh my goodness. So what I mean, was no, that like? like the then? countryside, but like a small town. So yeah, it was not easy for them. They told me later, maybe when I was 18, they, they, they really told me like how hard it was because they had a restaurant, my mom and my aunt, and people would tell them like, oh, don't do that, you cannot do that, blah, blah, blah. Even their own parents. And they still, they still did it and they're happy that they did, and me too. Yeah, yeah. So what was the family dynamic then? Uh, but it was a bit uh, similar as if, um, uh, like, uh, how do you call it, like a divorce family. So I would spend my, my week with my mom in the city, go to school. And on the weekends, my dad had a farm and he was making goat cheese. And I would go there in the weekend. So I was quite super lucky. I had a great childhood. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. And so, so this was your biological father and biological mother. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what? So then they both were they were they out before they had you? With was this the? Yes. Yes, actually, what happened is my mom, <clears throat> uh, she went to university and uh, she fell in love with the sister of my dad. And wait, wait, after your, being... Your dad's sister? Yes. Okay. My dad's sister uh, is a lesbian. And so she had a relationship with my mom. And after 10 years together, they decided to, to have me. And my dad was gay already, and he also wanted to have a kid. So then, so it's like I have three parents. Wow. So I'm very lucky. I was very, they really wanted to have me. That's so amazing. But so for you then growing up, um, did that feel different? Like, because you saw other children with, you know, two parents, maybe still married or whatnot. How, how was well, that? Not not really. For me, it was. Um, I knew that I. Sh it was a secret. I should not tell anybody. But I was always. Uh, they were always very transparent about it, and they were telling me like, yeah, blah blah blah. Your dad is gay, but you you don't uh, need to tell your friend later when you're older. People will understand, and then you can tell them. Uh, yeah, that was fine. I got bullied sometime when I was young, but we didn't. I was just about to say, uh, who did and I got bullied as well, right? It, was, yeah. it doesn't matter what the reason is, you were gonna, it was gonna yeah. happen anyway, right? I got the reason. I got bullied for the longest time. Do you remember the movie? Or oh, you know the movie The Shining, right? And then there was the yeah. the little kid in that movie was called Damien. Okay. And for for some reason, someone in my school said that I looked like Damien from The Shining so that just stuck for like I don't know a year a year and a half two years and they just knew it got under my skin so they would just continually call me like Damien and it's, it's so stupid and it's so hurtful but yeah so uh, I'm, I'm not putting down the fact that you were bullied I, I think it's funny that you no, my, my, my story is kind of funny because I was on holiday camp and uh, so the kids find out my dad was gay and then they were like, ah, oh, your dad is gay, blah, 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 bullying me. And uh, then the, I had one friend. And also, okay, I had forgotten to put my underwear in my bag. So my dad, he drove like 300 kilometers to bring me underwear. And uh, my only friend, she would tell me, your, it's not true. Your dad is not gay. He's very nice. He brought you your underwear. And I was like, mm, yeah, <laughs> I knew my dad was gay. <laughs> but... For them, it was just an insult. They didn't know even what it meant. And did you? When did you eventually then drop the bomb on her and be like, "Oh, actually, you were wrong. He is gay." Ah, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't talk to people. I, for, I mean, I was very. I was very shy. Mm. And being bullied as well. And I mean, I was calling my family every day, telling them, "Please come and pick me up," but I would never say why. And maybe a few years later, they were like, oh, you're going to go to holiday camp. And I was like, what holiday camp? And they told me, yeah, the same like you went. And I was like, no. And this time I told them the truth and they cried. They were like, what, Kami? Like, why don't you tell us? And, blah, blah. and I was like, I cannot, I don't want you to think I was ashamed of my dad or something. I don't know, kids are weird. I should have said something, but I didn't. So, I mean, how old, how old were you at the time? Maybe eight. Yeah, I don't think you can hold yourself too accountable for not sticking up for your parents as an eight-year-old. That's difficult. Yeah. 
So you said they ignited uh, your passion for traveling. So what, what was it that your parents did that gave you that passion? Uh, but déjà, um, I had a cousin living in Africa when I was young and they took me there to travel. And um, since, I don't know, since the, the 90s or something, after the Cambodia war, uh, my mom and my aunt, they were giving money to association to help some kids in Cambodia and uh, I had to write letter to this kid and the kid would write letter and somebody would translate just the association and uh, they always told me if if I graduate oh, somebody's <laughs> classic is this uh... I hope they're not gonna stay too long what song is it okay. Vietnam oh. I'm, I'm not sure what this is about. <sighs> anyway, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, you were saying you were writing letters to the child in uh, the Ivory Coast. Do you ah, know yes. what? So, Cam- voilà. Camilo, this is, a, this, yeah. is, this is perfect though. So one of our um, biggest fans, our listener, Patreon member, Zion Johnson, has commented to me that he, he misses the earlier days of the podcast. So in the beginning, the first few seasons of the podcast, I would record in my front room. And so you would often hear noise in the background, like construction and honking. But now over the last couple of seasons, we've uh, moved we're in like a studio now and the sound quality has increased and improved. But it's quite funny because he said a couple of times that he misses the kind of old days when it's a uh, the bit of the, the the sound of Vietnam in the background, so don't worry about the Vietnam oil in the background. Zion Johnson okay. will be listening to this, and he'll be he'll be so happy right now. So Zion, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed that. It's for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Passion for traveling—that's where we were. You have a passion. Yes, for ah, yes. So that's what. So my family. So they always told me that if I graduate, they will t- take me to to meet this little girl in Cambodia. And so I graduated when I was uh, 17. And so they took me to Cambodia. Vietnam, actually, we traveled, uh, we traveled both. And it was a big shock for me. Like, uh, because, I mean, I was very privileged. And uh, I didn't realize it before. And coming to Vietnam and seeing the poverty, seeing the poor kids, the poor people, and everybody seemed so happy as well. They were always smiling. I mean, it was very, like... I don't know. I, I would cry. I was crying every day. Just like, uh, like you know, handicapped kid. And I don't know. After the war, it was much, much harder, I think. Like the scene, the general scene, the mm. people and everything. So, yeah. I mean, and after that, I, I, I was seven. Then I turned 18 and uh, I got into National Art School. Uh, Beaux Arts, how do you call it? Fine art. I got into fine art, mm. and and uh, and at the same time, I, my aunt had a nightclub, so I was working in the nightclub in the weekend, saving money to go travel to India. So that was my first real travel when I was like, eight. I turned nineteen there, I think. I turned nineteen. No, I turned nineteen there, in India with my friend, two girls, one month. It was crazy. <laughs> Well, tell me more about India, because I, I just mentioned this in the last episode, uh, the, the interview I did with Michael Brzezowski, that uh, I revealed that I have no interest in going to India. I'm just, 
it just terrifies me to be honest just mostly yeah, because everyone gets so sick uh, oh, I don't yeah. wanna... but also there, there are some bad stories about India which I'm sure are in the, the, the but there is good stories as well it's I know and I know I'm sure the bad the food stories is amazing are... I mean I was there I got sick obviously and I lost 10 <laughs> kilo in one month see that's it ever <laughs> like you see the photo of me nobody recognizes me I have one in my room and some, sometimes people are like hey who's this girl it's like it's me <laughs> okay yeah best diet ever if you want to lose some weight just go there like eat some whatever street food fancy restaurant actually fancy restaurants are worse really usually yeah because i mean not fancy but if you have a beautiful place and then the tourists are gonna come anyway you know so they don't really care about the quality of the food when like the street food is pretty safe, I think, because the, the people buy it every day, you know, the, the regular people that live there. So yeah, my advice would be be careful of the beautiful touristy place. Interesting. That's how I got sick, but that was 15 years ago. So I don't really can talk so much about India, you know, because my experience is like, yeah, yeah. it's probably changed a lot. But that must have been some experience. You said 18, that you turned 19 when you were there to go to India. Yeah, I was at reckless. That age. I was reckless. <laughs> I had no idea. My, fa- my family, for one year, like, every day they tell me, you cannot do this when you're there, you cannot do that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's crazy. But you I did didn't all. know. I was not scared of anything back then. So, so I did it anyway. One of the, the lockdown shows that we've been watching is The Serpent. Have you been watching that? Or have you watched that? The what? The Serpent. Ah, yes. Yes, actually, my mom, my mom, I, we, I love a murder show. Like, that's mostly what we watch at home in my mom's. All day, every day, there is like channel. You change the channel, there is another. Even she have a, now a murder show channel. So, anyway. And uh, yeah, and I saw the serpent and I was a bit scared because I was like, I don't want to watch it alone because it's a bit too close to home. And then my mom, she was like, no, 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 you should watch it, you should watch it. So I watched it and wow, fuck. It's good, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. Oh, la la, so crazy, all those people. Oh, la la. It gives me goosebumps to think about it because I mean, it could totally happen to anybody. Yeah, right. When you, yeah, if anyone hasn't watched it, there's a Netflix recommendation, uh, The Serpent. Yeah, because yeah, it's one of these movies or TV shows as well, because it's based on a true story. And then, of course, I, I don't know about you, but when you watch these true stories, do you go and look, like Google it afterwards to find out like what really happened? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, that's or during the do. show, I do it. <laughs> you do it during the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm patient. I will wait till the end. I don't want to spoil oh. it. So I'll wait till the end and uh, look up what happened but so that's what gives me the goosebumps is the fact that as I'm watching it and I'm like this is all true like this really happened yeah and nobody could do anything I mean you know like the people went to the embassy and they're like yeah well let's not give any spoilers for anyone if anyway (laughs) well let's let's just quickly diverse right um I don't like talking about lockdown and all of that stuff, but let's take, let's give a quick uh, go through Netflix and what we're watching during during lockdown, okay? But we this you could watch this at any time because it's Netflix. So give us yeah. your give us your lockdown Netflix shows. 
euh, lockdown Netflix show euh, 10% I would say no, but what 10, shows attends, are you watching ah yeah the, cold, the show is called 10% oh, right. it's, it's another name in, it's French so maybe it's called uh, Call My Agent or something like this Okay, I don't know this. So one. this show is very good. Otherwise, I also I downloaded a movie that's amazing uh, called The King of Staten Island. I don't know if you no. watched it. Ah, it's very good, very very good. I totally recommend it. Like it's maybe the best movie of last year for me, in my opinion, because it's very original and it's nice. Check it out. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say that I've, uh, we've made our way through Love Island, USA, Love Island, Australia, Too Hot to Handle season two. Oh, yeah, I watched that in the last one. <laughs> it's been, um, yeah, I like. And I, I, don't know about, I don't know about you, but uh, similar to the, I look up the, what happened in the movie after the, the, the movie or the TV show to see what happened. I don't know about you, with these reality TV shows, once it's finished, we look up the like the couples to see who's made it and who's yeah, still together. And yeah. Get all the gossip. I've noticed my standards for television just drops during lockdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My standards for a lot of things have dropped, yeah. <laughs> I even, I, I had to make my own bread because, uh, I would just say, the, by the bakery, I went there and it's closed. Mm. and I was like fuck my life because I don't want to go to supermarket because I'm scared of corona as I told you I have chronic bronchitis so so yeah going to a big supermarket with lots of people I don't really want so I haven't been to a real supermarket for like two months but uh, but I, you know there is all the small shop in Vietnam we were lucky there is all the small family shop that you can buy food from but they're closed as well and the bakery is closed So I was like, fuck. So I made my own bread. And uh, yeah, it's not amazing. I hope the quarantine will end soon. Did you say it's not amazing? <laughs> it's not amazing. It's getting better. I made some more. And it's better than the first batch. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not as French as the French bread, I guess. <laughs> and what about cheese? Do you have a healthy supply of French cheese? I have some cheese as well. Actually, I tried to be vegan, but uh, the lockdown, I was like, okay, that's, that's <laughs> enough. <laughs> I, I, because for a few months, I've, I, I watched a show on Netflix actually about being vegan and I thought oh, I should try. So I've been trying, but now with the lockdown, I was like, I need some like bechamel and some cheese as always, I'm going to die. So I have, yeah, I, I cheated my vegan diet and I've been making gratin and it's pretty good. Well, tomorrow is going to be, um, oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's the noise in the background for you, Zion, if you can hear it. Um, yeah, even little birds and everything. Tomorrow will be my 10-year 10, 10 anniversary with my wife of when we first got together. So we've been married. Wow. Eight, yeah, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. We've been married for eight years, but tomorrow is 10 years since we've been together. And, and my point is, when we first met, I claimed that I was a vegan which I thought I was, but still to this day, my wife won't let me forget that uh, I was eating cheese and spinach rolls, which are very popular in Australia, uh, almost on the daily. And I was having, I don't remember this, but apparently I was eating seafood Subway as well. 
but also but still claiming that I was a vegan. So I was a vegetarian. I no, I'm vegetarian. a fake vegan. I'm just uh, my vegan is at home. I cook for myself. I will only buy vegan stuff usually. But maybe if I go out, if my friend is cooking, I eat anything. I just don't eat red meat. I've never really. Uh, no. So, so what was Ireland like? Tell me a bit about life in Ireland. It was a. Um... Oh, it was amazing. I was living in Galway, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was living in Galway at the time. I didn't speak any English, so I had to learn. I got a I got a job at a bakery, so I was selling like pastry. And uh, I stayed there for a year and I put on maybe 10, 15 kilos. When I came back, my mom didn't recognize me when I arrived. <laughs> because also, you know, I had so much clothes and I could, uh, they wanted me to pay a lot of money. So I put them all on top of each other. And so I was like maybe, I don't know, seven pants. Because at the time, you know, baggy pants were like fashionable. So it was easy to wear them on top of each other. So I had all those pants, all those things and like a bunch of hats and scarf and everything like that I could on me so I didn't have to pay the extra luggage and yeah my mom she I was in front of her and she was still looking for me (laughs) (laughs) I've done the exact same thing as well I think I can't remember where I was traveling from maybe the U.S. back to Scotland same thing I I, I was quite young I hadn't traveled very much at that point I was still quite young and uh, I didn't even realize about like baggage limits and things like this so I got to the counter put my bag down and they just kind of looked at me like what this is like I think it must have been 40 kg I don't know what it was but a lot right so I did, did the same thing I went to the, the bathroom and what it was I had tried, I was moving between countries that's why I had more stuff and so I had like you know shoulder bags like messenger bags I had two of them in my suitcase I had shoes, I had jeans, I had a big winter coat, like I had so much stuff. So I filled the messenger bags with the shoes, put on two pairs of jeans, a hoodie, my big, this big green canva jacket. And then I managed to get it down to the weight, which I think was 30 kgs. And I walked back up to the counter and the woman just couldn't believe that the suitcase wasn't weighed (laughs) enough. And then she looked up at me and just saw me with all these all bags these around me and, cl- and clothes on. So I then I had to like, I got to check my bag in, but then I had to walk through security and every time I had to take off all these bags, take off my jacket, my shoes. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, it's such a nightmare. So yeah. I, I can relate to that. So then, so what happened? So where did you go after Ireland? And you, you so after earlier. Ireland, I moved to Spain uh, in Barcelona. And... Um, after a few months, I found a school there, uh, art school. Uh, so then I enrolled. It was very tough to, to do all the paper bullshit. But anyway, uh, eventually I enrolled in the school. Uh, it was uh, graphic design and advertising. So then I studied for three years. And uh, after that, I worked in a magazine, in an art and music magazine in Barcelona as well. Uh, and after I went back to France for a bit, I tried to, to move back, but uh, I was not happy. And uh, my friend, he was always going to, to California to work in the weed industry. So I went there as well. And I did this for a few years and I saved a lot of money. And uh, with this money, I studied to tattoo. And later I opened the tattoo studio. Did you say you worked in the weed industry? Yes. 
the marijuana. So did you learn Spanish? Sorry, while well, you were in uh, ah, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I studied in, actually, I learned Spanish and Catalan because my wow. school was in Catalan. Right. So I, I, I had learned Spanish in school, so I was pretty bad at it. But I didn't know Catalan, so I had to learn, like, as I was learning graphic design. So it was not, it was not easy. So how many it languages? Was funny because I was living in Barcelona and I was like, I don't know, 24 or something at the time. And people were like, oh, you're so lucky, Barcelona, it's so cool. And like, like my life was just like going to school and then going to my night job and then going to school and taking my dog out and going to school and go, you know, like no life for a while. So anyway, what were you going to say? Sorry. I was going to say, how many languages do you speak? Ah, uh, French, English, and Spanish fluently, uh, and Catalan. I, mean, I I haven't practiced in. I don't know if I can still. I can still understand. I hear it sometimes, even in Vietnam. <laughs> anyway, and uh, I can also understand Italian and Portuguese, and I can also a little bit of Vietnamese. But, uh, I'm not very good. I tried a lot, but. Uh, it's like my brain won't record. Well, you know, that makes me feel so good because um, we won't dwell on it because I talk about it nearly every episode, but uh, I, I, I can't speak Vietnamese and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't really tried very hard. I'm just naturally not good at languages anyway. But the fact that someone like you that can speak so many languages still finds it difficult to even learn Vietnamese makes me feel better about myself. So thank you very much for yeah, that. Yeah, but because the language I can speak, they're all similar you know they're all latin based english yeah, yeah. french spanish but vietnamese it's like i try to learn chinese as well and same results no reason i remember like a couple of years ago someone showed me like a, a language tree you know because you can trace back where languages come from like you're saying like latin languages and whatnot and on this tree of languages like vietnamese is like out here it's like one of the most difficult languages yeah, to learn sure. in the whole world so that also makes me feel a bit better about myself. But there are some people like Mika, yeah, our friend, our I know. friend who can speak it. And there's a whole bunch of other like experts. She's so good at it as well. It's crazy. So it's obviously possible, but yeah. oh, so hard. But she, she put a lot of time in it, you know, like she every almost every day she has classes mm. and she's always improving. Like her English, her Vietnamese is good, but she always wants more. So she, yeah, she studies a lot. That's the thing. It does take a lot of effort and time mm-hmm. and even just speaking just the last episode with michael brazovsky he's been here 20 years and he can only speak a little bit and he's just he's at he's like i just don't have the time now because once you've been here for long enough and you have a full-time job and a full-time life like it's difficult to find because like you're saying with, with yeah, mika sure. she has to be dedicated but she's doing amazing yeah, she's sure. built a career because of it which is incredible yeah. so she has that added motivation of, you know, if I can speak Vietnamese well, it's going to be beneficial for my career. It'd probably be better yeah, for, for mine sure. as well, but I don't have the energy. I mean, when I, yeah, I think I met her about four years ago. And uh, I mean, I can see like her Vietnamese. Are like... So how long have you been in that. Vietnam? About five years, six years, five and a half. Same, same as me then, yeah. 
Season six is sponsored by our good friends over Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. If you are in Saigon, then make sure you go check them out. Tell them that 7 Million Bikes sent you. They got two locations now, one in D2 and one in District 1. If you've seen the show Riverdale on Netflix, you'll know exactly what Eddie's is like. It's a slice of home comfort, no matter where you're from in the world. Make sure you check out Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. But just to go back, yes. so what did you do then for the weed industry? So I have to ask about that. Ah, uh, or literally just cutting the bud off. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I was a, a bit of everything. Maybe sometimes watering, putting to dry, cutting. Have you yeah. seen the, there's a, I can't remember the name of it right now. I am Murder Mountain. What's that? Murder Mountain. Yes, that's the you one, the one it, yeah. on Netflix. It's yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that... It was there. That's where I was. No and way. Family, yeah. And my, my mom and my, yeah, my family, when they saw it, they were, I'm glad that was years after I didn't do this, you know, because if they would have seen it before, they would never have let me go. Holy moly. I didn't really know what I was doing, but yeah. Okay, so anyone who hasn't seen this, it's a couple of years old now from Netflix. It's called Murder Mountain. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's scary. This, yeah, so it's this area of uh, like the... But it's an area that is, it is a dangerous area. I mean, a lot of people die, a lot of people disappear. It is a dangerous place for sure. Yeah. So it's this place in like the, the west coast of America, like Oregon, is it? It's in the north of California. North of very, California. Very, very north. Right, right. Very it's like remote. The far west. What they call the far west. The far west, mountains, forest, and they have this massive, like these massive weed plantations. It's beautiful. There. It's an amazing place. Like, even if you're, I mean, maybe it's a bit tough if you're a tourist because it's a bit dangerous area as well. You don't want to go to places without being invited, kind of. But I mean, uh, the the place is like, wow, it's amazing, you know, like the landscape, there is nobody, not so many people living there and just a lot of like mountain and forest and wild animal. I've seen like skunk and like uh, deers, puma, uh, bears, like all kind of like, you know, and they're just there, you know, like it's, yeah. I love this place. It's so beautiful. Like the, the, the ocean is beautiful. It's so clean as well because there is no people to destroy the, the place, you know, because people uh, always litter every place, but there is not so many people there. So it's very beautiful and it's nice. Now, I don't know how much you can tell us, but like, what was your experience like then there? Um, apart well, from the beauty of, I mean, in terms of related to the, the, the TV show called Mother Mountain. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. For me, it was different. I had a very different experience because I was lucky. My friend have been working there for 10 years when he took me there. So it was, I was mostly going to work for family. It was like farmer. I, I didn't see like mafia or something. It was just like going to live with some family and work and work a lot, like 15 hours every day. And eventually, the last year, now I cannot do this anymore because the last year I worked and uh, I, my hand was getting more and more painful, you know, because you work so much. And uh, I broke a tendon in my hand. So the last time I went to save money so I could um, 
so I could open a tattoo studio. And when I finished, I broke my tendon, so I could not use my hand for six months. So it was a big lesson for me to like you. You want to you work so hard for something, and then you cannot. You know what I mean? Like what's a tattoo artist without a hand? So yes, that was very humbling. And now I'm more careful with my health before <laughs> like trying to make money. Well, I've thought about this recently in terms of even like a musician. And I know what has happened. I've seen like musicians have to maybe cancel a concert because they've broken an arm or a finger or something like that. But yeah, any of these jobs that you require dexterity or your fingers or your hands, and these things are so easy to break accidentally. Yeah. You do, I would be, if I was like a, a super famous musician, musician, I feel like I would be walking about with bubble wrap around me all the time, be terrified that I'm going to, I'll just insure, insure it. If I if I was rich, I would insure my hands. Oh well, they, these guys will absolutely because I, have insurance because yeah. of because of all this. Actually, I got told now I have uh, arthritis. Oh no! Yeah, I'm I'm 34, so it's not really doesn't look good. But well, so yeah, I eat healthy, green green food, and drink a lot of water. Well, that's all you can do basically. The fun stuff. Yeah. Well, so I've uh, I have a problem with my voice that I lose my voice quite often. There was a, a uh, about ten years ago, actually, just when I met my wife, I I did a sales job on the street, fundraising for charity. I've been doing it for four years. Talking, I worked out. I talked to about ten thousand people a year uh, on the street in train stations everywhere, you know, and I, I managed a team, so lots of kind of yelling. And so eventually, like, I, I suffered what lots of famous singers suffer from, like Adele's had it and a bunch of others. It's called nodules, which is like a, it's like a callus on your vocal cords. And it means that you, you can't speak. There we go. We got you. Sorry. That's all right. If she was coming in. Okay. Oh. No. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Sorry about that. Little technical problem. Oh, that's well. all right. I'll cut that bit. Oh, like Thank you. <laughs> okay. Merde, I tried to have you as well. So you had, you had something on your voice, Calis? I'll start. I'll wait till you settle and then I'll, I'll restart. Okay. Voila. Yeah, so it's like calluses that you get on your hand. It's on your vocal cords. And then it uh, really, I mean, at one point, like I lost my voice completely. So my point is though, talking about being reliant on your hands to to work so I was reliant on my voice like I did sales like if I couldn't speak I couldn't sell and even now even as a teacher like uh I lost my voice a couple of times which wasn't too bad uh, I maybe missed one lesson I think because of it or um, but then now as a comedian and a podcast host as well so luckily I don't overwork my voice but uh I'm still vulnerable to it so if I get really tired like if I go quite a while without getting good sleep because I'm busy or something like that or uh, I, it can come back so normally about once a year I'll, I'll completely lose my voice but luckily wow. these, these days not for very long so how did you you went from studying graphic design in Spain working mm -hmm. for a magazine mm-hmm where did the tattoo comes? Where did the tattoos come from? And I'm actually surprised uh, to see was that you're always... not covered in tattoos. Ah, yeah. No, I'm not. I have uh, I have a few small ones. And... Yeah. 
here and I did them myself. Wow. And this one, my teacher did it for me. And yeah, I don't have so many tattoos because I also work uh, like uh, an actress, kind of. Right. So, ah, so you need to keep your keep it. Keep yeah, it clean. I cannot. Right. I mean, when I'm in a few years, I'm gonna be too old to get any job. So then I can, then I can get tattooed. But uh, for now, uh, I I don't because I, yeah, I do some uh, background acting. So yeah, I was doing it in Spain also, and I do it here sometimes because it's uh, it's very it's very nice. It's like a, it's like school trip. With the kid from the back of the bus, that's how I feel, you know, because it is a, so okay, you get the job and then they take you somewhere with a bunch of people. You're in the bus and you meet new people and you just wait, uh, wait, and then they're like, okay, now you do this, okay, okay, you're finished, and they give you food and drink and they're so nice with you. I really, it's nice because as always, I'm always at my studio drawing or tattooing, and I like to go out and meet people as well, so. And what is it you're doing, like uh, extra work, like in the background, or you're actually acting? It depends. Usually extra, but sometimes also in the front. Actually, maybe you saw me, you know the VUS? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, not so long ago, I, I did an advert for VUS where I'm an alien. I'm green. I don't know if you've seen it. I have no, no, no. I don't watch too anyway. many ads for VUS, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. I don't see many ads for anything, to be honest. Either. Oh, that dog is so cute. Um, yeah, no, but what I was going to say, you once you start to get fully tattied up, like you said, maybe when you're older, then you can get cast as like an aging punk rocker, you know? Yeah, I guess. But it's like a niche. Yeah. <laughs> My niche? Okay, I have a niche. My niche is I'm a scientist because if you put some glasses on my face, I look very smart and, and then I'm a, I'm a doctor and I've done a lot of ads in Vietnam for Corona, for this, for that, you know, as a doctor or a scientist because, because I look smart with uh, some glasses, <laughs> which doesn't mean that I am. <laughs> That's so funny because, you know, a friend, I don't know if you know, uh, a guy called Lex Hall, who's uh, a bit older, maybe in his 50s. He's an maybe. actor here as well. And he does a lot of, uh, I think, kind of extra work too, or, or acting as well. And it's all the same. It's almost like a running joke. He posts every time he has a, a new gig and it's just like, uh, uh, doctor, doctor. Yeah, me doctor. too, me too. Just one after that. And he sometimes posts pictures from the set. It's just always him in a white coat. Also, especially now, I put on weight, so I cannot really do the model job. So I can only do the the mother or the teacher or the the, the scientist, basically. So what would be my niche? Bad. Do you think what niche would I be? Should I if I take my glasses off? I think off? I think you could also be a, a scientist, huh? Yeah. But with the glasses, it's better. I mean, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you just need like the white, you know, the white coat. So, yeah, as soon yeah. as you get the white coat, that's it, right? Yeah. So quickly, like, just quickly tell me through, you traveled all over the world. Where did you go to and then how did you end up in Saigon? Uh, but Saigon, it was very random. Um, so my ex-boyfriend, his sister was living here and she was making chocolates. 
And so at first, the idea was uh, we were going to come and uh, open a shop where she can make chocolate and I can make tattoo. And uh, but then we broke up and we're alive. Quoi. But that's how I ended up here in the beginning. And he, he decided to move and I liked it here. So I decided to stay. And voila. Nice. And so you built up quite a reputation then for your tattoos. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I, I'm not sure how, but uh, people are uh, recommending me. So I'm very grateful about this as well. Has anyone ever uh, asked you to do a tattoo, given you the drawing, and you're just like, no, I can't. Not because you, it's too difficult, just because you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't say that. I said that I'm too busy or I find other excuses. I don't, uh, I don't tell people if I don't like what they want. But if it's very bad, then I prefer not to do it because it's not going to, uh, how do you say, it's not a good advert for me, you know? Mm. So if anyone's listening, you've just told them your secret. If they ask you to do a tattoo and you say you're too busy, then now, now they know it's a lie and it's just a terrible <laughs> yeah. tattoo. Mm, yeah, well, maybe <laughs> then they have some time to think a bit more. <laughs> I know uh, I met a Chinese, no, a Singaporean that had a Nazi tattoo. So, he, you know. He had a what, sorry? Nazi. Oh, like, that? Uh, the like a real Nazi tattoo, like the, how do you call it? The eagle. Oh, shit. I was going to say, it's not just the symbol for Buddhism. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> no, no. no, but he didn't really know he got it when he was a teenager uh, because he wanted to be a dick to his parents. And uh, he didn't really know the meaning. And he, he didn't want it to remove it because he wanted to remember how stupid he was. So, at, least, uh, at least there's a story to it and then at least he's learned something from it and it's on his leg or something so you cannot really see it yeah. anyway but because i'm very sensible to tattoo i always notice <laughs> well so look tell me just briefly what's your time been like then in vietnam you've been here about the same time as me five years i've seen massive changes in in vietnam in that time uh, and yeah. I've, I've grown myself as well i mean my life has changed yeah 360 degrees or 180 degrees since yeah. I arrived. So, but when I arrived, I told you I, I had a, I opened a small studio with my friend that was making chocolate. And later I had a studio at my place. Um, and then something crazy happened that I was on the road to go to Dalat. No, no, I was on the road coming back from Dalat and um, driving. And I was not... Um, I was not very looking at the road. I was a bit like in my suit, but there was a truck with a piece of metal coming out of it. And, uh, and the truck started to break, but I was on the side of it. And the guy that was before me, he saw that I was not, that I didn't see, you know, that the guy was, uh, and I was gonna get like, you know, the metal thing in my head. So he owned and I, and I dodged it, you know, and I said, oh fuck, I should follow this guy, you know, to thank him. And um, my ex-boyfriend was also with us uh, driving behind. Anyway, so I started to follow this guy, follow this guy. Eventually, he understood that I was following him. And, uh, and there was some, like, uh, some traffic. And he told us, oh, come this way. Like, he knew, like, the shorter way and everything. Super nice. Anyway, later, we stopped. And we, I bought him some coffee to, to thank him. And, um, and we skipped driving together. 
later, my ex-boyfriend had an accident and then he drove all the way back to our place with us. He helped us to fix the bike like a little bit. He was super nice. It was during Tatolida, so it was like very complicated. Everything was a bit like closed. And, uh, and then when we arrived at my house, we had no food because we had been gone for three weeks. So then he was like, oh, I have food for my family. Uh, from like his family from Tet, you know, like so he shared his food with us. And I thought, wow, this guy is so nice, like that's crazy. Anyway, and then one year later, he, like we stay in contact with Facebook, like uh, Happy New Year, Happy Birthday, whatever. And then one year later, he sent me a message and he's like, hey, I have a, I have a, a new place that I want to show you. It's in Taoiseach. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm not sure what, what you want, but... I mean, since he's a nice guy, I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. So then the day after he come, and uh, he come to my house and he's with his baby and his wife and he's like, okay, come with me. It's only five minutes away. And I'm like, okay, I drive behind him. And I arrived to this place and it was amazing. It was the tattoo studio of my dream, you know, like uh, I dream of a place like this, you know, like a garden and a swimming pool and a, a small, I had a small, um, small room in the back, you know, to do my tattoo. And he was like, oh, do you want it? And I was like, yeah, like, for sure. Like, it's, it's a dream come true. So I, yeah, I dream of this place and I got it like this, you know, no effort. Anyway, and then Corona came and uh, some people, uh, and this place, it was like two big houses that were, that they were renting like um, service apartments. But a bunch of the people in those houses, they couldn't afford to pay their rent. So then they didn't pay their rent and the owner of the, of the place, my friend, he got in uh, trouble because he didn't have money to pay. So eventually we all got kicked out because of this. And now they made the school instead. And now I'm back. I have uh, my studio at my house again. Ah. And also I decided last month that I want to go back to France because I have not been back for three years because of Corona. And I, I, for me, it's just ridiculous now. At this point, it's like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, like, I don't even want to be here. If I could, I would be home already, but I'm waiting for the paper for my dog. So in October on the 10th, I'm flying out. Oh no, we're losing another one. Yep. No, but it's pointless for me to be here because with, I mean, I lost maybe 30, 40% of my customers were tourists. Mm. And another 30, 40% are expats. The tourists have left and the expats are leaving. I mean, a lot of my good customers are leaving one after the other and not so many new ones are coming. So I still have work, but not so much. And also I miss my family so much. It's ridiculous. I'm like, if I'm not even working so much and why am I here, you know, like, it's like, yeah, it's not good anymore for me. So maybe if they reopen, when they reopen, I will think of coming back because I love it here. I mean, the people, the, the everything, the lights, I like everything, but, but now I really, I just need to, to see my family. It's a really difficult time right now for anyone who doesn't maybe know the context. Obviously, Vietnam has been paradise almost for uh, since Corona started. We've had a couple of small lockdowns, but pretty much yeah. back to normal. You know, 
for, for not for everyone like i'm not like no. not, not sugarcoating it we obviously lost all tourism so even for me like my comedy shows we used to have comedy shows in the heart of downtown which were my first comedy show was designed for tourists it was called the where Are you from comedy show and we we had tourists come in every night they were just there for one night uh, and that was the whole premise was you ask people where are you from and we had people from all over the world came to the shows so now since since that's since tourism's finished, the you know the amount of people at our shows have gone down. As you mentioned, expats are leaving. We've had lockdowns, so it's been really uh, been well. Tough. And especially, and especially now, this lockdown, especially. Well, yeah, I mean it's tough because that's what I've heard from quite a lot of people saying, you know, they've stayed in Vietnam all this time, they've loved it, and and then it's difficult choice to go home in the last year when we're in the middle of the pandemic and the rest of the yeah. world. Yeah, because so last year, you know. I didn't want to go back because I was thinking, oh, I cannot. What if I bring some virus to my family and somebody, mm. you know, like I was like, no way. But now my families are all vaccinated. So pff, there, there is no real risk. I can go back and get vaccinated too and travel again. Yeah. Voilà, quoi. Well, that's it. We don't and have I don't think here. I don't think I will come back to Vietnam because I don't want to do the quarantine. So maybe I come back when the quarantine is off. Hmm. Otherwise, I go to another country because there is still a lot of country open. So, for wow. vaccinated people, I've done the quarantine. Just... You don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm doing the quarantine now at my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's already like uh, hard. Alors, yeah. imagine in a hotel room alone, quoi. Uh, oh, I mean, I didn't do quarantine in a hotel room. I did quarantine in a government camp. That's a whole different story. But anyway. Whoa. We'll move on. We'll, we'll finish up now with the final questions okay. that I ask everyone at the end of every episode. So my first question is, have you tried durian? Yes. And? I have tried durian. Uh, actually, my friend invited me to a family in the countryside and it was great. They were super nice. And then they were like so excited and they go to this tree and bring me this huge fruit. And I'm like, oh, what is that? And it smells so weird. And they start to cut it. And they're like so like excited, and I'm like uh, you know trying to be polite because obviously it was an honor for me to to get that durian, <gasps> but it was horrible, and they give me a big piece, and I cannot you know tell them that I don't like it, so I'm like, mm-hmm. and I finish that piece, and they wanted to give me more, I'm like oh no 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 please like I really you you finish so much already like, <gasps> I was like oh la la I'm gonna be sick in my mouth or something, but anyway. So yeah, I ate it and I. It's like up. it's like tortured by courtesy, like you're ah, being tortured because you're giving them the courtesy of being like, oh yeah, yeah thank you so no, much because they give me the honor of sharing this fruit, so I cannot be like a, sh- a dick and be like, oh, it smells like shit. I'm not eating that. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, you have to be polite sometimes. So yeah. So next question. Now, you live in uh, Tau Dien as well, so I, I'm hoping you're yes. going to have a good answer for this because this is where this question comes from. I see so many cars with outlandish paint jobs these days, and, and the example I give to everyone and every week is I saw a bedazzled Mercedes uh, outside my building a couple of months ago. What is the most crazy car you have seen here in Vietnam? Mm, the gold car. The gold one. Oh, that's yeah. uh, uh, also I like. Uh, also, there is one in Taoyuan. Uh, how do you call this color? I mean, it's like 
it's like pinkish, but it's also silver at the same time, and it has sparkle in it. It's like, what the fuck is that? Why would you choose that color? I mean, okay, you choose it. Nobody else is gonna have it. Like, you can always recognize your car in the parking, but wow, <laughs> like a car for a princess, you know, like Barbie princess. Yeah, voilà, that's crazy, probably the funniest option. <laughs> Now, what's something that happens in uh, France that would be looked at strangely in Vietnam? Um, I think maybe what would look weird in, compared to Vietnam? Um, maybe people... Maybe waiters being very rude. You know? Is that normal French here? Waiters? Or normal no, in no, France? No, no, no. In France, in France, you, you have a lot of time. Some, like, some people are pretty rude in general, you know, like, in France. Okay. And like, right. eh, grumpy and eh, always complaining. And the here, you know, have... people, they have nothing and they never complain. <laughs> huh? Did you say the waiter complains or are you just general people, you mean? No, I mean, uh, you know, like maybe sometimes waiters in France can be very rude. Yeah. But in Vietnam, usually they are very nice. You know, like maybe they are not very efficient, but they are always smiling and polite. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this, and yeah, I think that would be that. And for the Vietnam, for the opposite, I would say the ladies that uh, wear pyjama <laughs> or anybody wearing pyjama in the street. I mean, uh, you wouldn't really see that in France, but I think I'm going to try to bring a trend. <laughs> I really, I really enjoy like wearing pyjama. It's just comfortable, especially now with the lockdown. Okay, today I'm dressed for you. <laughs> thank you, thank <laughs> <For> you. you. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I've been uh, wearing my pyjama for a while. Actually, my friend that live in the same building as me, the other day, like, do you ever change? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, I have a few pyjamas that I wash and change. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much rotate through two pairs of like gym shots that I have, and my wife is like sick of them. Like, I, this is a nice t shirt I've put on as well. Like, I'm normally in like a, a baggy t shirt and a, a pair of like, I'm still wearing my, my, my gym shorts right now. I'm not going to show people, but yeah, but the pajamas thing, like, it, that makes me laugh so, so much because I see it all the time as well. Like, I said, I went to the store the other day because you are allowed to go to the store, so I had to go to the store to pay a bill otherwise the electricity was going to get cut off and um there was three different girls in the in the mini stop all in their pajamas and i was like texting my wife i was like pajamas everywhere today like, well, I mean, i've been to nightclubs with ladies with fancy pajama no like pajama with stress no pyjama. yeah what was it uh rooftop uh sky sky 20 sky what? 20 Yes, yeah, there was ladies and they had their best pyjama with straps and stuff. I was like, wow, like I totally like told them that they were looking cool because I like it. Wow. I, I mean, yeah, I think it's crazy when I see them go to like the supermarket. I didn't know they go to the mall. I mean, yeah, I saw this girl the other day. She had like a, a club silk, silk robe. Nightclub. Nightclub pyjama. You're already you're ready to go to sleep. <laughs> It's not a bad idea, right? It's not bad. Hey, did you bring your toothbrush? Yes, <laughs> and my pyjama. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, last question. 
Uh, what piece of advice would you give to yourself five years ago before you came to Vietnam? Mm. Yeah, just don't worry, I would say. I would say to myself, don't worry, it's all going to be fine. I think it's good advice. Yeah. It's always, it's always, it's, uh, always be fine in the end, right? What was yeah. it, one, of the, one of the favorite quotes uh, I've ever heard was, uh, if it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah. From Rick and Morty. Oh, no, I've yeah. heard that quote years before Rick and Morty ever existed. They must have taken it from someone else. It was probably some French. <laughs> oh, because it's well. like, uh, what is it? It's like uh, everything is going to be fine in the end. And if it's not fine, it's not the end. Something like this. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I, I mean, I saw, um, I saw a meme with Rick and Morty. Is that. Because I'm also very, oh, yeah, I forgot to say about this. I have a big passion for meme. And I also have a meme page where I share funny memes and also funny Tinder conversation. Uh, and it's called Obsess Meme All on right. Instagram. I'm going to follow that. I'll put a link for it in the show notes and in the, cap- okay. in the comments below. So we'll make sure we check that yeah, out. Because I, I, I have so much meme. I, I always screenshot the meme that I like, but I have not so much memory in my phone so I thought fuck I, I need to delete stuff but it asked me to delete them so I thought okay I'll make a page so I can have them somewhere you know so, that's uh, awesome just for yourself you're just using it as a, a photograph actually, repository I have a few friends that follow me like my good friends they, they really enjoy it awesome. and as as actually finish... they share it they're like they're super excited about <laughs> it they're always sharing my memes and stuff like they think I'm gonna be famous for it or something <laughs> I don't really think so I'll but, go and follow uh, anyway. it I'll go and follow it as soon as we're done. One more follower. I'm on 11. But you have to follow 7 million bikes page as well. Um, Okay, I'll follow you back. (laughs) um, Even my dog will follow you. Well, my dog has its own Instagram page as well. Yeah, my dog has her own Instagram too. That's why I'm saying she's going to follow you too. Biscuit the bat pig. So uh, I know you're going to be leaving in October. This is, uh, we're in the beginning, the mid-July right now. Tell people watching and listening, where can they, if they can get a tattoo from you before they go, or if they can uh, follow oh, yes. you. Hopefully they, they can. How, how can they get Hopefully uh, they can contact me on my Facebook page, Kami Inc. or Instagram, Kami Inc. Um, they can contact me and tell me what they want. I will draw for them. And whenever I can reopen, I can tattoo them. Oh. Awesome. Well, have, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your lockdown. Hopefully you've got some nice French wine waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> but not oh. every day. What day is it today? Oh, fuck it. Oh, I don't even know what day <laughs> no, it is. I'm joking. I, I don't even I don't know, know what time it is. It doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. Like my <laughs> friends are like, oh, where you get up so late? Like, Anyway. All right. So, yeah. We'll take it easy. I'll hopefully see you in, you too. Pe- in person. We'll, we'll introduce the dogs to each other when we're, when we're out of lockdown. Yeah. yeah, maybe my dog needs the muscle because she's a dick, but yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Cheers. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.